This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment right. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, we want to welcome American Shooters as the newest gun shop in San Diego. And Gun Owners Radio's newest show sponsor, American Shooters, just opened up in El Cajon, 1468 Graves Avenue, if you're in the area, right off Bradley and 67. If you're looking for a great gun shop for any of your firearm needs, go visit Mark Alcon and his team at American Shooters. They have a great selection of new, used, and consigned firearms. That's American Shooters at 1464 Graves Avenue, right off Bradley Exit in El Cajon. You know Mark Halcon, don't you, Dave? Yeah, I was reading this, and I've gone, <laughs> holy mackerel. Remember that guy? Yeah. yeah I'm glad to hear that's finally open. Yeah, it's open. For for I went and visited. It's, uh, if, if for, for those, uh, it's off the 67 in El Cajon, uh, the, uh, the chicken place, that Greek chicken place. Right, there. right. Is that, in that Yeah, it's in the same parking lot. Or the breakfast place. The breakfast know. house. <laughs> Is also there right next to the DMV too. Yep, the DMV is right there. But most importantly, there's a uh, a really cool gun shop, and he's got a lot of really good inventory. He's got ammo. He's got some really cool guns. Uh, Does he have a range? No range. Okay. Um, but uh, check it out. The, he's been you know he's been trying to open, and COVID got in the way. So he's got a lot of really cool inventory. So if you're in the market for ammo or guns, he's got it. He's doing a really good job. Well, that's good. How's he doing otherwise? I think he's doing great. Mark's, but you know. So, Mark, I don't know if you knew this or not, but San Diego County Gun Owners, Mark was a huge part in designing San Diego County Gun Owners. Mm-hmm. We sat down and had a sandwich at uh, Filippi's down in uh, Little Italy and uh, talked about what the problems were, and uh, he was instrumental in coming up with the plan and, and designing. He's been around for a long time, too. Been around, yeah, 100, 150 years, something like that. He's been around. The earth cooled, and Mark Halcon started fighting for the Second Amendment. Pretty sure that's how it, how it happened. Hey, so Christmas parties are coming up. Inland Empire, if you are in the San Bernardino or Riverside area, their Christmas party is this Saturday at Fascination Ranch. So check out their website um, for details. No purchase necessary. It's totally free. And then the 15th and 16th is San Diego's Christmas party. And then Orange County's Christmas party is on the 16th. Why is it two days? Because one's in San Diego and the other one's in Orange County. Which one's in San Diego? 15th. 15th, 15th in uh, San Diego. In Where's Orange it at? County. It is at, uh, oh, you got to check out the website. I got to tell you, you, if I tell you, you won't go check out the website. I'll check it. So it's a brewery. That'll narrow, that'll narrow it that'll down. That'll narrow it down. Okay. SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com or SDCGO.org gotcha. and OrangeCountyGunOwners.com or OCGunOwners.com. Check it out uh, and, uh, you know. Go to uh, go to the go to the Christmas party. No purchase necessary. Sure. There'll be prizes. It'll be fun every year. It's a, it's a whole lot of fun. Check out the Magnum episode with me interviewing Alex Dovgalevsky. I got that totally right. I nailed it, Jackson. How'd I do there? Very well. Thank you. Did you did you think for a second that maybe I was Russian with that accent? 
a little bit, but at the end, they thought it was perfect. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's great. Um, it's uh, a really cool Magnum episode. Alex grew up in the Soviet Union. He's now a, an American and a huge uh, gun advocate. And listening to him uh, talk about what it's like in the Soviet Union, you know, kind of the the basics, like how do you, how do you do stuff? Like what's a what's a grocery store like in in the Soviet Union? Mm-hmm. How did you get a house? That kind of stuff. Uh, I thought it was pretty fascinating. So check it out. It's up. It's up on our YouTube channel. So check that out. And I wanted to talk about. We got an interesting email that I wanted to read. Um, and I wanted to just talk about it for just a minute. This is from Elizabeth. I'm not going to give her full name. It's titled talking smack about liberals. Hey, I'm a member. She writes, I'm also left leaning your comments in your newsletter and your posts on Facebook, which mock liberals are offensive. Can't we all agree? We have second amendment rights unless you want to further alienate me in which case I can give my money to the Socialist Rifle Association. I thought that was a very, very fair point, and I'm glad that she brought it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's from the get-go, from the very beginning, uh, we wanted to make sure that San Diego County gun owners and all our organizations are nonpartisan, and uh, not just nonpartisan, but single issue. So we've, I, we've tried really hard to make sure that our messaging is exactly that. Um, and... Uh, I think that there's always room for improvement. If there's some things that she saw that, that she didn't like, then there are things that other people have saw, saw that they didn't like. And I think it's always a, a good time for us to reevaluate and make sure that we're doing what, what we should be doing. You know, it is, it is not accurate to say that Democrats, all Democrats hate guns or all liberals hate guns. In fact, um, part of the reason we exist is to uh, get back to the roots, you know, of, of, of being a liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is supposedly they're supposedly better on civil rights uh, and uh, freedoms than uh, you know than than conservatives. Uh, for whatever reason, you know the uh, Second Amendment has has taken a hit. I think that that's fair to say when it comes to uh, folks on the left and liberals that sort of thing. I think that's fair to say, but it doesn't mean that all liberals are anti Second Amendment, and it certainly doesn't mean that all Democrats are anti Second Amendment. Not all Democrats are liberals, and not all liberals are Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're a, uh, we like to have fun on the show, but the reality is our show and our organization, we're, we, you know, we're, we're very serious and, prof- you know, we're professionals. We're not just a bunch of, you know, hacks spouting things off. So, uh, I think, I thought it was a good email. I thought, it, I'm glad that she wrote it. I'm glad that she brought it up. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that. Are you looking at me now? Uh, looking at you. My opinion's probably the pretty close, the exact opposite of your opinion. Um, on that subject anyway it's like um you know for one if you find something offensive okay don't look at it go somewhere else uh if you talk about the socialist uh, second amendment group i, I can't imagine you can put the, those two terms together socialist and second amendment it's, it's just not it doesn't work that way there was a um a new poll a new gallup poll just came out uh a couple of days ago that uh, polled 91% of Democrats want stricter gun control laws. And they say the gap is growing. And it's like, okay, how can you say you support the Second Amendment, but you support people that want more gun control laws? I mean, gun control, by definition, violates the Second Amendment. All of it infringes on my right to keep and bear arms, pretty much all of it. And, you know, if you want to look at, if you just want to call it Democrat rather than liberal, liberal, 
I mean, lots of Democrats support the Second Amendment. Gavin Newsom supports the Second Amendment. Joe Biden supports the Second Amendment. Kamala Harris supports the Second Amendment. Yet all of them are way hard over against the Second Amendment. So, so, so why are you a Second Amendment advocate and not just a Republican then? Uh, I am. Like, why not just be a Republican? Well, I'm not a Republican. I mean, I'm registered as a Republican because I have two choices, really. If I want to participate in our system, you got to be one or the other. But, you know, most of my thinking or values are more in line with, with Republican or conservative than they are with the Democrat side. And it's, um, you know, if you want to particularly look at the Second Amendment, I mean, you know, and most, most people, too, I think, anyway, it's, you know, most people are not single-issue voters. I mean, when they, they vote, they, they lean left or they lean right. Mm-hmm. And they don't agree with everything. I mean, I tend to vote Republican, and I don't agree with a lot of the stuff they do. But overall, in general, I got more in common with that side than I do with the other side. So, uh, you know, it's just it's hard to say you support people like that, and yet you support the Second Amendment. Uh, so, it is, I got to tell you, it is hard. And, like, I think it, it's fair to say that, you know, Democrat, we don't have a lot of friends on the Democrat side. Well, I, no, and I, I, I think that it's not just fair, but that's accurate to say that. Yeah, and we say, you know, we're not partisan. I mean, and in the context that we don't care what you're – what your political affiliation is. We don't care right. if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, Liberal, but you know we, we do focus on the Second Amendment. We do focus on the Second Amendment. I just think that we're sophisticated enough and we're professional enough that when we do mean anti-gun or anti-Second Amendment people, we should say that rather than lumping all Democrats or all liberals or all left-leaning people into that. We should be more accurate. I, I, I'm glad she reached out. I'm, uh, thank you so much. Keep the feedback coming, and uh, I, I, like I said, I thought it was a good good time for us to just just have a short discussion about it. All right, folks. Well, that's Gun Owners Radio right here on FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. Nice. Folks, hey, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Next is Bonique with the San Diego American Legion's junior shooting team. But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Listeners get a free T-shirt when you use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO. To sign up today, go to uslawshield.com. All right, so we have a very interesting guest up uh, from the American Legion Junior Shooting Sports Program. Uh, we're going to talk to Monique Clemens. Monique, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. I haven't seen you since we had that really cool picnic in uh, down down south. How have you been? I've been good. Um, traveling, lots of work to be done. So <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So now now you are – so what what is the American Legion? To ex- explain to people who have no idea what the American Legion is. What do you guys do and, and how is it organized? Okay, well, I will make it a brief description because it's very complex, but basically the American Legion is the oldest and largest veteran service organization. It was established in 1919 and now has over 2 million members, both nationally and internationally. 
The Legion is formed on the principle of four pillars, Americanism, children and youth, national security, and veteran affairs and rehabilitation. So basically veterans serving veterans, families, and the community. That's awesome. So to be a, what, what is it, what does it mean to be a, like, are you, is it a membership organization or? Correct. Um, basically the American Legion itself is all veterans. Um, so you had to have served at least one day honorably um, in the armed forces. Um, we do also have the auxiliary, which are the, the spouses and daughters of um, those who have served. And then we also have the sons program, which is also um, the male descendants of those who have served and are Legion members. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah. And how, when you say like when, 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 you know, veterans serving veterans, what are some of the ways that, that veterans serve veterans? What are some of the needs you guys fulfill? Um, well, our biggest thing, our one of our largest programs is our VSOs, it's our veteran service officers. And what they do is they actually help um, any veteran that needs it with getting their VA benefits, um, because that's normally a very complicated and hard process to do if you don't have someone there to help guide you through it. Um, so it's one of the services that the Legion provides through our certified veteran service officers um, free of charge to any veteran. Um, and if they're a member or not, they just have to be a veteran. And we help them get through the services and, and get their VA benefits that they need. Wow. What, what drew you to the American Legion? Uh, for me, it was my wanting to continue my service. Um, I actually... I started in the American Legion when I was actually still in the service, um, but my family, my grandfather, my father, everyone had served. Um, so when I first joined, it was me honoring um, those that served in Vietnam and also World War II. Um, at the time, being very young, I didn't feel like I was the veteran yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and now that I'm actually out of the military, now it's more of a, a sense of it's my continuing service. It's the way I can continue to give back and be part of that community, um, which cool. helps me through every day, I, I would say. Helps you through every day. Wow, that's very, very cool. What what branch of the military did you serve? I was Army and Navy, actually. Really? Tell me, how did that happen? Um, I did Army first, uh-huh. um, then got out and had a family and... Um, partway through that, I'd gone to school and everything and then decided I wanted to be back in the military. And so I went back into the Navy Reserves um, and finished off um, in the Navy Reserves. So what, so what did you, so you went in, did you enlist in the Army or? Yes, I was enlisted in the Army. What did you do for the Army when you were, when you were in? I was Signal Corps, so communications. And then you, when you, so when you, when you went to the uh, Navy Reserves, what, what did you do for the Navy? I was a nurse in the Navy. Really? That's awesome. That's yeah. very, very cool. All right. That's interesting. I did not know all that. Okay, so, but that's actually, we're, we're, we want to talk about the shooting sports and, and youth in California. Uh, how did the Junior Shooting Club start? Well, first off, the Junior Shooting Sports is part of our Americanism pillar, which is all of our programs that have to do with children. Um, and also other things, but that's one of the main things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually a national program, so it's been along, around for a very, very long t- time. Um, and it's actually been in California for a long time. But here in San Diego County, we kind of brought it here um, just going on two years now, um, and it's th- established a district team 
Um, and right now we are just trying to expand that at this point um, because it was mostly Northern California that was participating. And now we're trying to get more participation down here in Southern California. What, what, what discipline, what kind of shooting do they do? Um, it's all air rifle. Um, oh, wow. They get to experiment with other um, weapons also, but um, their competition is air rifles. You know, our co-host here, Action Jackson, how old are you, Jackson? Eight. He's eight years old, and what do you do every Wednesday? Go to the Glock store in San Diego and just learn how to shoot my guns. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Every Wednesday he goes and, and shoots, and it seems like, you know, it teaches, I think it teaches kids responsibility. I think it gives them self-confidence. I think it teaches them discipline. Or is that is that what you find? Uh, or is that kind of, is that the purpose for the junior shooting club? That is definitely part of it. Um, they, of course, they learn the marksmanship, but then it's the responsibility, like you said, and safety. Um, but then they're also exposed to the patriotism and the sense of service to your community because all of our coaches are veterans and members of the American Legion. And so they're able to see on um, a daily basis that they're interacting with all of our coaches that of an example of what it is to continue to serve and what it is to um, have love for your country. Um, so they're le learning a lot more than just shooting and the safety, which is, of course, what we all want to make sure they do also. But um, the rest of it is also those are the life goals um, that will help them later on. What, 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 do you, what, do you, what attracted you to this program? Why, why is this program important to you? Uh, well, for me, it's it's one of the programs that I do. Um, I think that all of our programs are very important, but this one in particular, um, it was something that I have always, I actually myself competed in high school. Um, I was a member of the rifle team in high school. Back then, we just did 22s, though. We didn't do air rifles. Um, and I remember competing, and I remember going, um, it was, I loved it. It was um the kind of, and it was part of what made me go into the military also, that experience and being with the, the coaches and learning from them and going to these competitions and getting to, to shoot and just learning. Um, it gave me a passion for always loving, um, you know, my fun toys and also um, being able to, like I said, it, it, I was drawn to it, and it was it brought me back. Now doing the program brings me back to my times in high school when I got to do it then. So. I'm guessing you didn't go to high school in California. Actually, I did. You did? I you did. guys had a rifle I team? Did. Where did We you, did. What part of California was that? Um, that was in the Bay Area, actually. And we actually had a <laughs> It's getting we crazier. Had a range. <laughs> we had a range underneath our um, – it was next to the ROTC room in our high school. Wow. So – Next to the ROTC yeah, room. That's good nowadays too. in California. <laughs> hey, Monique, I had a question. Could you go back to the air rifle thing? Could you explain the air rifle? Because I'm not sure everybody has the same picture when you say air rifle that you guys use um, for competitions. So basically, it is. Um, it's just pellets. There's no. Um, there's no bullets. They're just pellets. So, um, and then they have the um, the. They have different style of them. Um, the new ones that the team actually just got, I have not seen yet. So I don't want to, I think they're the Daisy ones. Um, we just got them recently. Um, but they are air uh, propelled 
Um, so safety wise, um, of course, everything can be dangerous, but um, it's a good starting point. Um, and it is something that uh, is easier um, and a little less expensive for, for them to, for us to be able to have the kids compete with. So. Okay. What distances are they shooting when they're competing with those? Um, they're actually doing, it is, ooh, good question. I have to think about that. Um, <laughs> less than a mile, under a mile, under a mile. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's in the indoor range. Um, I should know that number off the top of my head. I don't, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> How many kids are in the program? Um, right now, the highest we've had is 13. That number fluctuates a little bit um, because we have new kids that come in all the time. Because um, what we do is we have the ones that are have been around now for a while, and they're definitely 100% in the, in the competition um, realm of everything. But then we have other kids that come in, um, and they're just really learning um, gun safety, and they're learning about how to – how to uh, act at the range and what to do. And so they're kind of just learning and figuring if it's something good for them or not. Um, so sometimes we'll have someone that comes a couple of times and they either figure out they aren't really into doing it or they stay. Um, but we normally have about 13. Recently we had a couple that actually aged out because they were off to college. So And how, is there, are there weekly practices or their matches? How, how, what's the schedule like? Yeah, what we do is it's actually, it's about an eight-hour commitment per month because it's two practices a month every other Saturday, um, and it's early in the morning. Um, they go down to the range, and they're there for about three and a half, four hours. Um, part of that is briefing time. Um, they have briefing before and after, um, and then the rest of the time is on the range. And um, then they get to also, um, we have because we do have sometimes some younger members, um, the eight to 10 years where uh, they're not quite ready to compete with the 17, 18 year olds. So with the younger members, it's more about just getting them comfortable um, and letting them see the older kids shoot and getting them a little excited about when they'll be old enough to actually compete. Cool, and you're, you're gonna hang out with us. We got one more segment with yeah. you. Okay. All right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, does selling your home feel overwhelming? Well, it doesn't have to be that way with Scott Vinson from Coldwell Banker Royal Realty. Scott Vincent is the perfect guide to help you sell or buy your home. Scott has also been a San Diego County gun owner board member from the start. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vincent help you sell your home and find you a new home anywhere in the United States. Call him today at 619-948-2459. Tell them you heard about it on Gun Owners Radio. Call Scott at 619-948-2459 or just go online to scottvinson.com. We're talking with Monique Clemens from the American Legion. Uh, when we're talking about the their junior shooting sports program, Monique, what's now what's your position with the American Legion? 
Um, well, with the American Legion itself, I'm actually district commander, so I'm actually um, the the person over all of the the posts within San Diego County, um, and we have 29 of them right now. Wow. For the, the junior shooting sports, though, I do the public relations and also the fundraising, um, and sometimes coaching. But I leave that to we have six awesome coaches that really are the backbone to the program, or, and they're the ones that do. Um, the hands-on work with the kids. So is it, you, you, when we are talking about kids, we're talking about shooting, of course they're air rifles, but it's, you know, same discipline and everything. Is, is it controversial? Um, definitely. Um, luckily we've not had any negativity um, mm-hmm. so far, and I hope to keep it that way. Yeah, but it too. is something that we always um, want to make sure that we um, keep an eye out for um, due to the fact that it, it can be. Um, not everyone. Um, appreciates or thinks that um, children should be or anyone should be around any kind of handgun or weapon of any kind. Um, And, you know, so, you know, but it, people have to see what, that this program isn't necessarily, we're not trying to make kids want to go out and, you know, be, have guns for their whole lives or anything like that. There's nothing like that. It's like we talked about already. It's teaching them responsibility and it's teaching them um, really to be responsible. Um, and there's ways for them to get scholarships and um, help them go to college. I mean, this is a way for someone to actually open doors for their future. Um, it's not a, a negative. Um, and right now in our climate, regrettably some people see anything that has to do with firearms at all as a negative but yeah, yeah it's, we try to keep our program as positive as possible it's it's kind of it's kind of getting it's kind of getting crazy out there monique it's getting a little extreme but i'm glad you guys are doing it i think you're you're putting uh, a fantastic face to it and and talking about the all the positives that come along with learning uh you know safety and, and marksmanship and everything and i'm so glad that you're that you're doing it how do kids find you? If they wanted to be a part of this program, how do they find you guys? Uh, well, the, there's two ways. If they're within San Diego County, any of the American legions, if they walked in, they would be able to get information. But also we have a Facebook page, um, which is American Legion um, Junior Shooting Sports District 22. And they can they practice information, everything goes on there, and they can also get information and they can send messages directly to, um, they, they go to myself and also one of the other coaches, and we're able to answer any questions and things like that. Um, and anywhere all over, anybody, any kid in all of San Diego County can participate. It doesn't matter where they live in San Diego County. Correct. That kind of goes to um, the next point, though, of what we're trying to do is right now, um, due to the space at the range that we're using, um, we're kind of limited to how many kids we can have at one time. Mm. So that's where our goal for fundraising is really coming, um, is needed right now. Because what we want to do is we want to be able to expand the program. And instead of having just one team for all of San Diego County, we want to be able to have multiple teams so that we are able to help and service more kids. Yeah. Um, and be able to expand more. Um, so, of course, with that, though, comes the funds that are needed to do that. Um, but we really don't want to have it where if we have a kid that lives all the way up towards Escondido, we don't want them to have to come all the way down 
to National City. Mm. We'd rather have teams on either end, um, you know, or in one out by Santee, something like that, where, you know, it's easy. We want to make it easy because what we also do is we pretty much make it where it's no um, financial commitment from the families or the children um, at this point. Um, so we want to try to keep it that way. So that's now, part of why. How, so if somebody wanted to support the program financially, uh, can they just give a donation or how does that work? Yeah, right now, there yes, definitely donations work 100%. Um, and also, we're also looking for items because we're going to be having an auction um, during a fundraising event in January. Mm-hmm. So items that can be auctioned off would also be great. You're, you're having an auction? So, Is that here in San Diego? Um, yes. What, what kind of details can you give on that? Um, I don't have all the details yet for that one. Um, yeah. you'll have very, and it's going to be... You'll have different things up for auction, and it, you'll, people. You, there's some place people can go, and you'll have an auctioneer and everything. Though it's all um, a live auction. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a, it's just going to be a dinner, um, and then we will have auction items. I want to go so to a dinner. Dinner is one of my four favorite <laughs> meals of the day. So let's so uh, where's make the, sure I get you the information. Yeah, where's the? Do you know? You don't know? Okay, yeah. Please do send us the information. I I love going to dinners. <laughs> okay, Jackson likes dinner, sure don't you? That. What's your favorite dinner, Jackson? Either breakfast for dinner or something like a cheese quesadilla or a grilled cheese. Cheese quesadilla? Do, do you get now at your dinner? Do you guys think you'll serve a cheese quesadilla or we don't know yet? We don't know the menu. That's not no, a fair question. I kind of don't think that will be on the menu, but well, uh, I don't know. Maybe I can make a special request. Maybe that could be the Jackson special, and uh, right. people people could pay a little extra to have the Jackson special. <laughs> That would be cool. That's awesome. I didn't know you were having that. That's very, very cool. So what, do you get any support from local schools or do you get a lot of support from the local bases or, you know, are the kids mostly military dependents or, 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 or just anybody? We've had, well, it's pretty much any money we've had. Um, so far, I would say the majority has been um, dependents, mm-hmm. either uh, veterans or currently serving. Um, we have had, um, uh, children from where their parents were all different branches of service so um, it's definitely a wide range but we're not it's not just for the children of veterans um, we're open for anyone what's a um, what's so, a cool success story Monique because anybody uh, well what's a cool success story either like something that's you know one of your one of your kids has, has won or is there like a you know a, a personal success story or, or anything like that or, well I think for, well, the best was um, this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, regrettably, he was one of our seniors, so he's now moved on to college, uh, which is good for him, but it was bad for the team. He actually ended up winning, um, and it was his first year. Um, he ended up winning um, the sportster, sportsman um, part of the competition mm-hmm. and took first place and wow. um, in, as far as the state. And almost made it where he got to go national. So um, that was really exciting for a brand new team and a, a brand new shooter to actually have been able to to do that well. What so, do they win? Like you said, they win place. like scholarships sometimes, or what? What's what's what kind of stuff do they win? Yeah, at the national level, they they actually are able to win scholarships and things. So that's awesome. Now, what do you guys provide the the uh, the air rifle, or do they have to buy their own, or how does that work? No, we actually, we have air rifles that they're allowed to use. Um, and then uh, we provide all the targets and the pellets and all that. Um, the only thing that 
just because it's a little easier. We've been asking the the different team members to get their own eye protection and ear protection mm-hmm. um, only so that they would have their own personalized um, equipment. Yeah, um, but other than that, yeah, we are providing everything. Um, so that's, like I said, that along with the range fees is part of why we have to, in order to expand, um, we definitely will have to figure out uh, funding sources. <laughs> and your, your winner, he went on to, he, he went to college, you said? Yes, he went off to college. I wonder if he's going to join the military. You think he's going to join the military? Um, he definitely talks about it. Yeah, uh, all of our members, they all have. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely proud to see them all go to college and and get a degree first. So, um, even when they do, I'll be able to see them with gold bars on their shoulders when they come back. So. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very, very cool. All right. Well, what else do you want people to know about the program? Um, I. I think I, we covered most of it. I think biggest thing, though, is what you touched on earlier mm-hmm. is that this is definitely it's a positive thing. Um, and we're not in the um, position of we're not trying to convince um, anyone to um, just get into shooting. And we're not trying to convince anyone to go into the military. It's about giving children an opportunity for an experience and something that could benefit them in their lives. Um, and that it is a positive thing. And that's our main, our goal. And we want to be able to expand that. And so that's, that's our hope. And if there, there, I know there are a number of veterans listening. If you, if you're, uh, what would you tell a veteran to encourage them to get involved in the American Legion? I would say definitely um, the American Legion has so many different things to offer. This is just one of our programs. And you hear how how complex and how passionate we are about this. Um, we have so many other programs. There's something that everyone can find that they can enjoy doing in the American Legion. And also, if you don't want to do a program, if you just need to be able to have a place to go and talk to someone every once in a while to have that friendly face welcome you when you walk in a door, mm-hmm. American Legion can do that. Um, that's, that's what we are for a lot of our members. It's the, we all remember the old chairs um, show where Norm would walk in the door and everyone <laughs> would say, hi, Norm. Yeah. And that's what American Legions are. It's a family. It becomes a family. And so, you are a lot of us veterans. We are we end up living places away from where our family, away from the people we grew up. So we end up sometimes not having a lot of people. So the American Legion becomes it can be a family to to those people and to all of us. And on top of it, you know, there's so many um, benefits as far as um, helping you through all kinds of issues, as far as finding out, as far as your benefits. It's, Everything else. So. That's awesome. Well, where's the website, real quick? Uh, the it's org is the American Legion's website, and you can go and find out lots of information. Thanks, Monique. All Thank right, you. folks. Hey, don't go anywhere. Former former anti gunner Carolina Castro is on the line. She's going to talk about her story and journey right here on Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer.
right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Everybody's path to gun ownership is different. We're going to hear from Carolina Castro. But first, most companies waste a lot of money on marketing. The reason why is because they don't have a clear message. You can have a website. You can have your own social media. And you can have advertising. But if you don't have a clear, easy-to-understand message, you're losing customers. Sage Tree gets it. Since 2005, Sage Tree has been helping companies with their website and marketing. Contact them today and learn about their secret sauce to help you get more ROI. That's return on investment from your marketing dollars. Go to sagetree.com to learn more. All right, so a couple weeks ago, gentlemen, you guys know about our shooting socials, right? Where we teach people how to shoot. Um, you, Joe, you've mentored at a couple. I have. So we had our uh, shooting social a couple weeks ago, and, and all smiles. Everybody was loving it like they always do. And uh, one person in particular I, I got to talking to and, and, and found her story particularly interesting, and I thought we'd bring her on the air and talk about it. Carolina, are you there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. So let's start with how did you find our, our shooting socials? I found it through, um, I went to a freedom market. I believe it was in April, uh, and that's how I was able to, you know, get to know your association, and I decided to follow you guys, and that's how I ended up in the shooting social. Nice. And how did it go for you? I loved it. It was, in the beginning, I was nervous because it was the first time I was actually using a gun, and um, but afterwards, I mean, the professionalism that you have in your group is just amazing, and I, I just felt very comfortable with the group. Uh, nothing how I had imagined it. Really? Now, we're yeah. talk, you, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a picture of you holding a target with a lot of holes in it and an enormous smile on your face, so I know you had a really good time. And you did so well. Did. You did great. Uh, what, what did you? What when you said it wasn't quite what what you imagined? How like what 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 did what was what did you imagine? Or what what would what what did you think the worst case scenario was going to be? No, I just thought like I didn't know we were going to have a, a mentor, like a one on one mentor. Like all right, I thought it was just going to be a group of us. Like okay, you shoot and then you shoot, and this was just very, um, just having that one mentor. Mm-hmm with you what made all the difference it did it was it and i appreciate you saying how professional i mean it it, it, we run it pretty smooth they're all volunteers all the all the mentors are volunteers but i think we do a fairly good job now the interesting part of the conversation that you and i had after was that you said at one point in your life you were fairly and i don't want to put words in your mouth but you said you were were fairly anti-gun or or were not really in favor of of the idea of of gun ownership is that very, very much so. I, you know, I, I'm coming for. I was born and raised in Calexico in the border town. And then, you know, with my parents, um, and I have to bring it back to that because this is how it'll circle back to how I changed my mentality on the, uh, the views on owning a gun. So with my parents, they told me, hey, listen, you know, you were born in the States, you have a golden ticket. All right. No, you have to work hard in order for you to be able to go anywhere, right? You put in the work and you got it. So then I go to college. And in college, <laughs> for seven years, I was taught 
you know, you're oppressed, you know, you're a minority, you're oppressed, you're oppressed. And so I became an extremist on the other side, (laughs) an extreme leftist that believed that we need to get rid of the guns. They're causing war and get rid of them without really understanding more, because I just wanted to listen to one side of the story, because that's what, what, what fit in, in how, this is how I was able to fit into college, right? Liberal arts, I studied, I don't know if you guys are familiar with critical race theory, and for seven I've, years, I've heard of it. We, it it's it's yeah. made the news lately, for sure. Yeah, seven, seven years of that education, the emphasis on my education was critical race theory. And so I have a bachelor's in ethnic studies and a master's in social work. So you have, you know, this social worker curriculum based on a critical race theory. And so it was just, no, we do not use guns. No, we're against them. Everyone should give up your power to the government. They're the ones that are able to help us. So this is how that drew me in to hate guns so much. Plus, I was watching news and everything around the news circled back to, you know, you have these shootings. So against guns. So, again, I only wanted to listen to one side of the story. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to be so against them because I wasn't open minded. I was closed minded. But according to mainstream, I was open-minded because I was an extreme leftist. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, you know, I uh, I lived in San Francisco for a few years when I right when I got out of high school, and, and um, I used to describe it as you know it was an entire city of people saying, "Open your mind and think exactly like I do." Yeah, you know, <laughs> there was no yeah. Yeah. they didn't really want you to open your mind. They wanted you to change your mind. Is really what they wanted wanted you to do. So what what changed your mind? How did you you went through this experience and you had these opinions? Uh-huh. What what changed? What changed was I my previous relationship. My partner he was he's Romanian, mm. and so he lived through communism. And he would have conversations with me and ask me, "Why are you always talking about yourself like you're a victim? Mm. Like you're you're." You were raised here. Like, why are you feeling like, oh, my gosh, there's racism. Like, oh, I'm being discriminated. Like, why? And I would tell him, like, you don't understand. You were raised here. But the more he would question and ask me, like, why is it? And that just made me question, like, well, that's true. Why? Why is it? So as I also, when I was in school, I was raised Catholic, but when I went to school, I, all of a sudden, my belief system was shattered because, you know, no, you don't believe, we're not supposed to believe in a higher being. No, you know, we're for the people. And again, I was an extremist. (laughs) And as he would question it and ask me the questions of like, why is it that you're acting this way? And why is it that you're always victimizing yourself? And I thought for a, for a minute, like, you know, that, why is it? Like, why is it that I hate the right so much without really ever bothering to have a conversation? And if I'm going to claim to be such an amazing social worker and 
I'm not willing to listen to the other side. Like that, you know, I'm just being one-sided and closed-minded. So I started diving into the other political side because I wanted to learn. And if I'm a good listener, then I'm going to learn from the other side. And again, as we mentioned, like just took me through the rabbit hole. Mm. And I realized like how much brainwashing had happened in school. But I went back to my roots, my parents, my Catholicism, getting connected with God and understanding communism and connecting it back to how school was grooming me to believe that the government was the one that was going to save me. Well, and it's and interesting. All of us. It's interesting mm-hmm. too that someone from Romania. He, I, I'm assuming this is he grew up in Romania and was yeah, was a yeah, recent. Grew up, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that you know, kind of a you know, kind of an outside perspective saying, "Hey, I, I'm a, I'm kind of putting words in in your mouth here, but yeah. it seems like he was saying, "Hey, look, I fought hard to get here to experience yeah. all this freedom, and I don't understand why you're you're criticizing." You know, he came here for a reason. Right. You know, and you yeah. had the, the opposite opinion after growing up here, and it seemed like he was maybe not, I don't know if he was, it, was he trying to convince you, or was he, was it more of an honest, no. like, hey, I don't it, get it, it here? Was, yes, it, it was like, hey, listen, I came here with nothing, and now, like, after working hard, like, I, I've made it. Like, wow. I climbed the ladder, and you, being a citizen here, like, what, what's to complain about? You have everything. You're, you're, <laughs> you're privileged. So, did, so when you kind of when you changed some of your views and and looked at things a different way, did you lose some friends? Did you have yeah. some friends left over from college or whatever? Did you lose some relationships or, or were people pretty you accepting know, or how did that go? I started voicing out my opinion on Instagram more and more. I just started sharing posts on you know the other side, the right view, and. I was surprised that people started reaching out to me and saying like, Hey, you know, like I'm right there with you. Like, yes. And so it was attracting like-minded individuals, which is what I wanted. I, I'm still closeted to some friends and I just listen and I'm like, I'm not even going to get into an argument. Like, I love you very much, but that's okay. Um, you have your different opinions, but I, I'm much more open about my views now. You know, I just, I just, if I'm not willing to argue because I already know where they're coming from, I just shake my hand and I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> and when you tell people about but, the shooting, uh, so we have like, we have like 45 more seconds. When you tell people about the shooting social, how did that go? I was surprised that a lot of my friends were quite excited and they're like, I'd like to learn. I'm like, hey, <laughs> let's do it. So I think more and more people are waking up and are seeing things very different than how we were, again, trained to believe. Now, let's get uh, Carolina. Can you hang out for another uh, segment here? Yeah. You got some time? All right, cool. That's what we'll do. We're going to when when we come back, we're going to talk more to Carolina and uh, about uh, the shooting social and, and a little bit about not me and some of the views that that have changed so hang in there with us while we well like like dave says pay some bills right all right folks you're listening to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer 
Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The, the answer. answer. PRMI slash Alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help for a VA loan? Or if you're looking to buy or refi? Or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage? Call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. So we're talking to Carolina Castro, who came to a shooting social. She's also a participant in Not Me SD and how her views on at least the Second Amendment changed since college. Uh, Carolina, you, you described yourself in college as an extremist. Um, what uh, do, what other views changed? Was it just Second Amendment views, or, or was it more of a philosophical change across the board? Or Tell us a little bit more about that. Right. So it was very anti-American sentiment. Hmm. Um, very very much so. I didn't want to live here in the States. My plan was to live abroad um, because, again, what I was learning in school was to hate the system, to hate this country. Uh, and that's that was the message that you heard in every lecture. Jeez. Um, Where did you go to school? Um, I went to UC Riverside and Cal State Dominguez Hill. So in Long Beach. Well, Carson. And Carolina, were you hearing that stuff from, from other students mostly or from professors or from both? So it's it was from professors and from students as well. Um, but again, you because you're you're young, right? And so you're trying to fit in, you're trying to be active and you feel like you're doing your part by oh, I'm working again, you know, I'm fighting for social justice, right? And you're going to these marches and these rallies without really knowing what is behind that specific agenda, you know, because they they make it seem like socialism is the answer to the problems that we see, that we face, right? Without really understanding what socialism really is, Um and so you just want to belong to a group. Mm. And because in the liberal arts, that group is popular. So you follow. You follow what the professor thinks is the right thing to do, what your peers are doing. Yes, you know, we believe in social justice. And, and so that's how I was being, again, groomed to have this anti-American sentiment. Uh, yeah. And it so, was so, that, that so extreme view. It's, it sounds like so guns used to represent uh, crime and, and, and danger. Uh, what, what, are the, what do they represent now? I'm sorry, what was that? So when you, when you were in college and when you were uh, going mm-hmm. through your, your, uh, your experience and when you, and you said you were an extremist, you, you, you'd mentioned, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but that guns kind of represented crime and, and danger 
Um, what do guns represent to you now? Now it is more of, well, because of that social that, that I went to. And as I listened to more on the history that I should have been taught of how when you remove these arms from the people, then you're basically giving up those rights of, okay, and I'm not saying that we're going to go out and shoot everyone. Like, no, but this is like, it's, it's the privilege that we have to have these guns. And I look at countries such as our neighboring country in Mexico, where uh, not too long ago in the, in a small community in Mexicali, a group of, it was a small cartel that came in and, and, in a specific stop sign, they were asking people for money. The community needed to give them money, and they were armed. It's like no matter what happens, the black market will always be available to provide guns to the thugs, to the cartel, to everything. Meanwhile, the good guys, like, what, we're not able to ha- protect ourselves with this. And so, you know, now for me, having that gun is a privilege and having that gun is like, this is how we're going to be able to defend ourselves. So it, it has changed completely on how I saw it. And because of my interaction with gun owners, how responsible and how, you know, they, they see this as something that is very important to them. And they're so knowledgeable about how they handle their guns, about their rights. So it's not what was portrayed of like, oh, it's a crazy person that owns these guns. It's like, no. Some of the best someone, people I know. I mean, some exactly. of the best people in society, truly. Exactly. So, so what, it took having conversations with those people for me to understand that. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm really glad that you, you attended, and it, it was such a pleasure meeting you. So what would you say to people, uh, you know, where you used to be people that, that used to hold the same opinions that you had or people that were as ex- or are as extremist as you were, what would you right. tell them? How would you, what, what would you say to them? <laughs> I was always angry. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think the most important thing that we can do is because again, in my mind, I believe that anyone that was on the other side was an enemy. Right. And so before we begin to attack, because again, we, we claim that we're so open-minded and yes, we believe in all these rights. Like, wait a minute, like we need to start listening and paying attention and doing research that encompasses every point of view in order for us to really understand the subject, the issue, because that is what open-minded is to understand the overall picture. That's interesting. So I have a uh, co-host here. His name's Action Jackson. He's eight years old. He goes shooting every Wednesday, and he actually had a question for you. What kind of gun did you shoot? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so it was my first time, so I know you guys wrote it down. I have no idea. <laughs> it was, was a, a black gun. <laughs> it, was, it was a pistol. I think it was a Glock 19, by the way, I think. I am sh- yeah, I think so. There was two. Um, you got to shoot a couple I know different Alex, guns. Yes, Alex let me shoot the uh, the second one. He's like, "Yeah, I'll let you shoot my gun." 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so there was two. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to going to more shooting socials and bringing in my friends. And anyone that's interested in going. Well, that part's really exciting. You know, coming and having fun, that was awesome. But that you valued it enough and enjoyed it enough that you're going to recommend, you know, other people uh, is is amazing. I really, really appreciate that. And I think that means a lot to everybody involved. It means a lot to our organization and all the members and everybody that was there helping. So thank you so much. That's very, very cool of you. Thank you. So are you, now you're going to become a gun owner then? That is the goal. Uh, definitely. That, that is the goal. And you're working through Not Me SD, right? You're, you're working with uh, a woman. So I, yeah, I'm, I need to touch base with her, but the main thing right now I have is, is going to the shooting socials. Yeah. Well, and then eventually, yeah participating in the num. And we have every second Saturday is when we host them and you can find information on San Diego County gunowners.com for the shooting socials. Did you get any negative feedback when you were telling your friends or people that you knew? Did anybody say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that or or is it all positive? No, 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 not at all. Especially when I would show them the picture and my big smile I'm like, hey guys, <laughs> like this is what it's about. And actually my neighbor upstairs, as we're having conversations, because again, more and more people are opening up and saying like, hey, you know, let's have these conversations that normally we wouldn't have, um, like in communities where I live that are, you know, extremists. (laughs) That's awesome. Carolina Castro, thank you so much. look forward to seeing you at the next Shooting Social. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Welcome to, or welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Why should Californians care about the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association's case? We'll be talking about it next. But first, we are so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training, from the nation's top instructors and provide rock bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Join them today. Members get great prices and free shipping. Learn more about them at nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. Okay, so we have our uh, calling guest. Dan was um, today. Dan is a uh, an author, a Second Amendment activist, um, author of the Good Gun, Bad Guy series. Uh, I think, and that's... Uh, check with Dan. I think that's three books. I've read two of the three, I think. But Dan, uh, are you there? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on the show, and thanks for reading the book. Well, great. Welcome back. Yeah, I enjoyed both of those. I don't, I don't know what happened to me. I got I got uh, sidetracked there on the third one, but I didn't get to that, but uh, it's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I usually have about four books started, and uh, nothing. many of them don't get finished, so... Yeah, I do the same thing. That my wife used to read several books at a time, and I used to laugh at her. How can you do that? You have to read one at a time. And now I, I usually have like three going at the same time. Well, I don't want to ruin it, but Dan, if I remember correctly, the rebels win against the empire in the third one, right? <laughs> you, you, you just gave it away. Oh Come man, I'm sorry. Oh, that's it. That's good. Save me some time there. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you, fellas? And how is everything in in uh, California? 
It's uh, great and oppressed, I guess. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's nice out here, weather-wise. Uh, you know, it's it's we're locked in winter's icy grip here. It's like eighty-two or eighty-three today, something like that. Well, come on up, come on over here to New York. You'll freeze your marbles off with us. It's <laughs> terrible. So, Dan, you're going to talk to us today about the um, the New York State uh, case. It's before the Supreme Court. Yes, uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, New York New York State uh, Rifle and Pistol Association, and what this really to, to kind of bullet point this thing um, for people who don't know, there's a there's a difference between a shall issue concealed carry and a may issue concealed carry. Now, you guys know this, but maybe some of your listeners don't. In New York State, we have what's considered a, a may issue. In other words, the, the judge uh, or the sheriff may issue you your God-given right to defend yourself and your Second Amendment right um, if he or she feels that you deserve it. And this is what's infuriating to gun owners, especially here in New York. And I don't want to speak for Californians, but in New York we can't stand this. And so what's happening and now in New York City, uh, and New York City is a, is a, is a world unto itself, unto itself. It's, it's different than the rest of New York State where it's really difficult in New York City to get a, a concealed carry license. So what this case may do, I hope, um, is turn that upside down and turn uh, the New York State may issue into a shall issue, which means that as long as you meet the felony requirements and the, the, you know, the legal requirements, you, you shall be issued your concealed carry. So we're really happy about this case. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, but... We think that if it goes our way, um, it will set precedence for other states. So hopefully um, this case will affect California, Connecticut, and Jersey, and, and a lot of the other blue states in a positive way. Well, see, and that's what I was thinking, because I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago or a month ago or something. And, um, but the same kind of thing, because there's only, what is there, six or seven May issue states, and and it sounds like, you know, in New York, you have the same problem that we have out here. Because in California, we're May issue, and the way they do it in California is the, the local law enforcement authority, you know, issues or not. And there's 58 counties out here, and some of them, you know, we have everything from, yeah, you could just get one on the, you know, your good causes, just self-defense, all the way to the other extreme where they don't issue at all. And, uh, you know, and that's what's really wrong, I think, or really bad about this, uh, this May issue thing, because it's just, it's just very open for abuse. So hopefully the court will rule, uh, you know, against that. Well, yeah, definitely, and, and I, I totally agree. And what they, what they do in New York is they make you demonstrate a special need for self-protection. So, you know, you know I always thought that uh, it wasn't called the Bill of Needs. It was the Bill of Rights, <laughs> but they somehow, you know, these these Democrats have somehow found a way to turn our rights into needs. So I always said, you know, you, you know the, the, the right to keep and bear arms should never be measured by some other person's idea or metric of need. I mean, they're going to measure whether or not you can have a gun and carry it in public based on what they think uh, you know, measure your your your, your need. It's it just absolutely ridiculous. It should have never been this way, but unfortunately, it is. And um, we are still afraid that even if it does go through and we do change things, that New York City 
Democrats will find a way to come up with some ridiculous thing, you know, like, oh, well, you're on a city sidewalk. Now, that's a new city code. No guns on the city sidewalk. You know, whatever, whatever they want to come up with, they're going to try it. So it's not going to be a clean cut. Hey, now everybody can carry in New York City, I'm sure. Even if we, even if it goes our way, they're still going to give us a hard time. That, well, that's, it'll set president. That's the trick with, with lawsuits. If you win, you try to make it look as broad as possible. If you lose, you try to make it look as narrow as possible. Um, but it's, there's no silver bullet, especially in, in the courtrooms. What do you think the most likely scenario is uh, regarding CCWs and, and the nation? If we, if we get an extremely good – well. What do you think the most likely outcome is well, as far as the decision and what it will actually do to affect public policy? Well, I really don't know. I, I, I'd like to think that, it, that we do win this case because we, we won Heller, and Heller was similar in a lot of ways. It was, it was one case that made it to the Supreme Court. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to think that we, that we will. And you know, things, like, things are happening you know, right now, like the, the Rittenhouse case, you know, um, people are starting to recognize uh, self-defense as, as a real thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, hey, you know, we got some violence in this country, and, you know, it might be a good idea to, you know, to be able to defend ourselves. So I think the average person is starting to look at it a little differently, uh, where, whereas the, the anti-gun fear campaign doesn't have as, quite as much power as it did. So um, I think this goes our way. I want to be, be positive and say it goes our way. And we have 21 or 22 constitutional carry states right now. So I think that's going to change a lot of that. Uh, my next step, what I would love to see, is a state-to-state reciprocity. I don't know if the New York City case is going to affect, it, affect that in a positive way, but I think it could by setting some sort of precedence that says, hey, you, you, know, you can't restrict people uh, in, uh, in, in New York anymore. And other states might, might jump on board and, and do the same thing. Um, state-to-state reciprocity would be good. Um, it would be a step in the right direction anyway. I, I, I think we should need, I don't even think we should be talking about this stuff. The Second Amendment is what it is. Right. I can't even believe that I get on shows every day and talk about all these intricacies within laws and stuff like that. None of it should even, should even be. We, we shouldn't be dealing with any of it. But well, reciprocity we was, was discussed. They even wrote it up and it almost got voted on. I or it passed the the House a few years ago, but that's it. Um, I don't know if it's gonna. You know, they keep talking about uh, you know the midterms and you know Republicans taking over the House and the Senate, but we're, they're not going to do anything. They're going to even if they get into power, they're not going to do anything. Um, right, but you guys know how difficult it is to travel out of state. I mean, it's just like here on the East Coast, it's like jumping through hoops. I mean, you you know you drive into Jersey and you're. And you're an instant felon. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't have your, your gun packed in the trunk and wrapped in bubble wrap and three locks and chains and all sorts of nonsense, I mean, they really, really have to be careful driving down. And I drive up and down the East Coast all the time. And I go from state to state. And sometimes I don't even know how many states I've been through in my some of my trips. And, oh, geez, I just went through, you know, I just went through, uh, you know, Jersey and, now, now wait a minute, Dan. You're not talking about carrying a gun across state lines, are you? <laughs> and how ridiculous is that? Oh, can you believe some of the nonsense they come up with? You know, and this is this is the stuff that I talk about a lot in my in my Good Gun Bad Guy book series. Is that they use this type of rhetoric just to scare people who are clueless? I mean, these 
people don't know any better, and they go, oh, my God, state lines. He crossed state lines. <laughs> you cross state lines all the time. Yeah. You know, this is what a ridiculous what a ridiculous thing uh, did, that, to say! But they did you, did they you, wrote it. They wrote it for a while. Did you listen to the arguments at all? Or did you, did you uh, this the you know when the at the Supreme yes. Court level? Did you listen to the the arguments? Yes, I, I listened to a lot of it. I I, I would say probably seventy five percent of it. What did you think? I I thought <laughs> well, I thought that the prosecution um, got it you know, failed miserably because their own witnesses, you know, the one guy, uh, Grosskauts or whatever his name is. Oh, I meant the, I'm sorry, before we get into the Rittenhouse thing, the uh, Supreme, yeah, the CCW case, the New York case. Oh, no, 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 I haven't. No, I'm sorry. There was one cool thing uh, about it that I wanted to, uh, I want to brag about real quick. Um, The, uh, they were talking about, one of the Supreme Court justices said, hey, aren't we afraid that if everyone's carrying guns, that there's going to be more crime, and uh, the 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 attorney on our side said, "Well, no, actually," um, and and used San Diego as a uh, kind of the poster child of how CCWs are actually very successful. You know, basically saying, "Hey, San Diego used to be extremely restrictive. Now they're in essence shall issue, not 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 literally shall issue because you can't no nowhere in California is is actually shall issue." But in essence, shall issue in San Diego, and we, they've been that way for a few years, and it's been really successful. There hasn't been a huge spike in crime or accidents or you know anything like that. In fact, it's been very, very successful to the point where the sheriff, who used to be very anti CCW, now now brags about his his CCW uh, uh, issuance, and that was all because the San Diego County gun owners were really, really proud of that, and we're really proud to have been a a small part in an argument in a Supreme Court case where they can point to us and say, hey, the work that you guys did uh, is extremely successful and now, you know, helps, hopefully helps uh, get a, uh, a favorable uh, ruling in the Supreme Court. So a little, little tiny piece of, of, you know, it was like, I think it was 120 pages, little tiny piece, but it was a piece I'm really, really proud of. And you guys should be proud of that because you're doing good work. And, you know, every little bit that we can all do to chip in, we're all in this, in this, thing together and and you know in the, the so-called second amendment community however you want to call it and you know i have friends all over the country fighting the same battles and the unity among us is unbelievable it's like nothing i've ever seen. I've, I've ran in a lot of circles real estate circles rock and roll circles i've never seen a unity like we have here it's fantastic i hear some music gotta yep. take a break gotta take a break but you're staying with us yes all right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. So the Ahmad Arbery case uh, was another high-profile self-defense case that just finished this past week, so we're going to talk about that next. But if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call Attorney John Dillon, especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150 or visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. 
Okay, so we're going to continue with Dan Woes here. And um, Dan, we're going to ask about the uh, the Ahmad Arbery case and uh, what you can tell us about that. I guess first off, I, I guess could you recap that? So uh, I don't know if everybody uh, knows exactly what's going on here because we had three big cases in the last week or so. Yeah, well, when I first saw some of the footage on this thing and I first started seeing news about this, it was, it was a, a story kind of about a guy who was – who was accused of trespassing in a neighborhood, and he was accused of going through this construction site, um, and he shouldn't have been there. And um, so, and apparently, there were supposedly there were there were other accusations that he had been trespassing previously. So, I love watching the thing. I'm going, okay, all right. So the guy's trespassing, and, and then they they see the guy running, jogging or running, whatever, however you want to see it, and these uh, three other guys get uh, take it into their own hands, take the law into their own hands, and they follow the guy, and they confront him. And then I see a, uh, I see two vehicles, I see a truck, I see, um, I see Ahmad um, Arbery walk in front of the one truck, and, and, and they had a, a physical confrontation, and uh, he gets shot. Now, I guess... I guess what what the idea was there is that this was they were they tried to claim self defense. It didn't necessarily look like self defense to me. It looked like these guys trying to protect their neighborhood and maybe misread the situation. Now I didn't see all the details in the court case, so I don't know um, if they how much they got into the whole trespassing stuff. Um, but um, it was. Uh, the case came down as uh, they did not have justification uh, for self-defense, and they killed this guy. Um, that's the way I the way I saw it, um, and um, I, I guess I'm, we we go with the court with what the court said. I mean, they had the data, they had the details, and they made the decision. Um, and uh, I think the court I think the court system worked in this case. And I, th I also think it worked in the Rittenhouse case. Well, and, and that's a good, um, just a good comparison there too. Cause a, a lot of the, the anti-gun media and those people, you know, lump those two together is, uh, is, is why self-defense is bad basically. And the difference between, between the Rittenhouse case or what, what are some of the differences, I guess, in terms of self-defense between what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse and what happened with these guys? Oh, well, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's clear. To me, Rittenhouse was clearly attacked three times. I mean, you could see it was all on video. These guys were coming after him. One guy had a gun. And um, his self-defense was was perfectly clear to me. Now, the other case, the, the Arbery case, it didn't look so clear to me. I didn't, you know, I, it looked like Arbery attacked the guy physically, and there was a scuffle with the rifle. It was a rifle or a shotgun. I can't. I can't remember, but uh, there was some sort of scuffle there, and he ended up getting killed. That didn't look the same to me. It wasn't. Uh, you know, they were following him. It was they were pursuing him. So it was a little bit different. These guys in the Rittenhouse case were pursuing Rittenhouse, and they were attacking him. Um, so it just looked a little bit different to me. Um, you know, these things are never. Cut, uh, clear cut. I mean, there's always so many details and so many parameters and 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 things that we have to take into consideration. I I would hate to be the juror, uh, juror on either one of these cases. Yeah, it's one of you know when we talk about it, we talk about training a lot. Hey, take a class, take training. You know, we have this instructor coming into town. 
Uh, we're not really talking about marksmanship. You know, I know that everybody out there can put a hole in a piece of paper, you know, 10 yards away. We, we you know, there are very few gun owners that have had any kind of training. That's, that's easy. And it's important, you know, but really what the complicated part, and I think what, what more gun owners need training in is understanding the legalities and the morality of self-defense, what you can and can't do when you can and can't do it. Because, um, yeah. man, it really looked like – and I, 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 re, I recall the, the video that you're talking about where they confronted the guy and, and pursued him. But uh, if you look at that I, – I, I'm going to be really generous and say that they didn't understand you know, the law when it comes to self-defense. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think other people might see that video and say their motivation was a little bit more – I don't know. I don't want to say sinister, but – Clearly, in that case, they didn't understand the legalities of self-defense, and the people that criticize Rittenhouse definitely don't understand the legalities and the moralities of self-defense. Is that is that a fair statement to make? Oh, oh, definitely. It's politically driven, of course. You know, but in the Arbery in the Arbery case, the, the guys didn't understand self-defense. Totally agree, agree with you. Um, however, there was. There was more to it than them than than three white guys hunting down a black guy like the media would like you to believe. There was a heck of a lot more to it. I mean, there was a situation that was unfolding and it was different. Now they made I, they clearly made a mistake as when it comes to self defense, and they shouldn't have done what they did. Were their intentions bad? I don't know. Um, the outcome was was horrible and unjustified. But in the Rittenhouse case, it was. I mean, they. The, the people on the left don't understand self-defense there, but I think they do understand self-defense. They just don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit that Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense because what would that say about, about their side, their team, their, their, you know, their rioters and protesters? It would say that they were the bad guys. And I don't think the left wants to admit that they're the bad guys because I think, I think in some twisted way, they believe they're the good guys. Did you see? And I agree. So many, especially the talking heads, you know, kind of stuck to their story and didn't really get specific, but just decided it was a, it was a bad case. Did you see though, Dan um, Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks come out and actually change her position and say, "Hey, I was wrong." Did you Did you catch that? No, I didn't. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you, are, yep. you, are you familiar with the Young Turks? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not exactly a pro gun program. <laughs> And, right, exactly. Who's that guy? Chank, uh, Shank or Chank or whatever his name is? Yeah, Younger or Younger. I think I'm saying that yeah. right. Uh, Anna Kasparian is is his you know sidekick, and man, she was all over Rittenhouse. And then when 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 things came down and the and the decision went uh, you know in favor of Rittenhouse, she actually came out and said, you know what, I was wrong. I I bought what the media was selling me, and and what they were selling me wasn't right. I'm paraphrasing. Um, but that was the gist of it. That was shocking to me because there really are few people that are more anti-gun or more narrative. I mean, you know, when you talk about uh, the, the narrative, she's one of the people that sets the narrative. It's not even like she follows it. But for her, it was so obvious, though, what, what, was, what went on with Rittenhouse and the fact that, yeah. frankly, he acted well within the law when it comes to self-defense, even to the point of restraining himself. You know, that third guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he paused. He waited. He, waited. he paused um, until the guy actually was was pointing a gun at him, at, which shows amazing restraint and understanding of, uh, and self awareness. Um, but it was so obvious that even somebody as 
uh, as, uh, as, as extremist and as, and as uh, narrative-driven as Anna Kasparian even came out and said, all right, okay, I can't, I, I can't even you know pretend at, at this point, yeah. which I thought was amazing. Well, I think- and, and yeah, then the I mean, narrative changed from you know we hate Rittenhouse to oh you know the system now this is just an example of a of yeah. uh, how racist the system is. Yeah, he's a white guy. A white guy's racist because he killed two other white guys. It, or or the know. system's racist because if this were if if he, if Rittenhouse were you know black or Hispanic he would not have gotten off is the implication. Oh yeah, right, right. He's Rittenhouse had special privilege, but I think getting back to the to the left. The people on the left at find realizing that you know this was self defense. I think a lot of them are realizing how how important self defense is because I mean just go back to the riots of twenty twenty. I mean these most of the people living in those buildings that were getting burnt down, you know burned down were liberals, and we we found out later that gun sales almost doubled, and half of the new gun sales were. We're first timers. You have to you have to believe that a lot of those first timers were liberal progressives who said, "Wait a minute, you know this is crazy. I need to de- defend myself, whether I, you know, whether I'm a you know a Republican or a Democrat. Self defense is impo- is an important thing. You know, I have a family, I have a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And um, I think people are starting to wake up. I really do. I think I think we're entering a a strange time where self-defense is not going to be a taboo you know word anymore just because it's attached to the second amendment so the rittenhouse case was obviously important when it comes to standing up for the right for self-defense do you think that the arbory case was equally as important or do you think it'll probably just it won't even be a footnote in history i think the arbory case is important because it shows it, it defines the parameters of yeah. self-defense, right? Does yeah. that make sense? It does. It feels like, okay, Rittenhouse did it right, he got off. These other guys yes. didn't, and they didn't get off. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Is that kind of what you I mean? Think so. Yeah, that, Yeah. exactly. That's, what, that's exactly what I mean. And, you know, I just I wish I was able to see the case and all the details and how it all played out because I'm sure there was a lot of evidence on both sides, and that would have been really interesting to watch. But But – Ultimately, they. I can know. tell you. I can tell you the 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 evidence was overwhelming. It, yeah, there was no self defense whatsoever. Um, there yeah. was no comments between Arbery and Michaels. Uh, he didn't. He didn't threaten him. He didn't uh, say anything. And Michaels even admitted to that that he never ever did anything to threaten him. Yeah. The only ones doing the talking was the father, and they were just they they had theft in the neighborhood. They had no idea who it was. And they seen this black guy running down the street. They tried to stop him. They were going to do a citizen's arrest on him. And nothing was ever said from Arbery. And then Michaels throws the gun out or puts the gun in his chest. Arbery goes after it, swings at him, and he pulled the trigger. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, it was just that simple. I mean, and that's why the case went as as quickly as it did. I mean, they're they're just, you know, Michael's just flat said, I mean, he incriminated himself, basically stating they had no reason to do what they did. Well, if these guys won, just hypothetically, let's just spitball here a little bit. If mm-hmm. these guys won and they, they were not guilty, they were found not guilty, I don't think that would be good for, uh, for no. firearms, firearm owners. I don't think it would be good because it, it would kind of discredit self-defense. Right. And, 
yeah. it would give them a chance to. Well, one would have wiped out the other. You know, the written yeah, case exactly. would have been, yeah, it would have been a wash. All right, buddy. Hey, it's good having you on. Great, great uh, interview. Thank you very much. How do people, how do people follow you around? Uh, people can find me at goodgunbadguy.com. Goodgunbadguy.com. I also have a web show called The Loaded Mic. Loaded Mic, M-I-C, like microphone. All right. Th- thanks so much, fellas. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Well, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things you can do. Like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show. Leave a five-star review or Apple podcast on apple Podcasts, and it helps boost the show and put it in a lot of people's faces so do that i like that interview with uh with with dan woes i thought that was cool of course it was cool i mean we don't do interviews that aren't cool (laughs) we don't do uncool interviews i like i didn't know that his podcast was was the loaded the loaded mic no i I didn't know that either i want to start i think we should start doing uh we should start doing a segment and steal that and uh, <laughs> I, I'll uh, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll it'll be like some kind of whiskey tasting. You know, we had the, the loaded mic. We had a mic related segment that we haven't done in a while. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. I, I, I got a laugh from Jackson on that one. All right, that's ridiculous. Back to work, everybody having fun. Well, here. It's, it's not spaghetti, at least. Yeah, <laughs> could be worse. <laughs> couple of couple of whiskey tastings in one segment. You'll definitely see a loaded mic. Okay, so we have our very, very favorite segment, uh, Stump My Nephew. My nephew, Sam, is extremely good at gun trivia, and every week we ask him a question. If you send in a question having to do with gun trivia and we use it on the air, we'll send you a hat or a shirt. Um, if, you, uh, if you stump my nephew, then you're going to get a lifetime of training from Front Sight. Front Sight Resorts in Nevada. We'll, uh, they have pistol, rifle, shotgun classes, all kinds of other different classes, and we'll give you a lifetime membership. So you can take as many classes as many times as you want for life. All right. Sam, you there? How are you guys? Good, man. How are you? Not bad. Happy Hanukkah. Thanks. First day of Hanukkah, right? That's correct. First night. First night of Hanukkah. Cool. Did you get anything? Uh, yeah. Socks? Isn't tonight socks? Uh, tonight is not, uh, not socks. I did get a t-shirt though, which I'm wearing right now. Oh, nice. So the let's go Brandon t-shirt. <laughs> um, no, it says the armor is Creed. If it's broken, I'll take it apart and fix it. If it's not broken, I'll take it apart anyway, just to see how it works. <laughs> what, are, what an appropriate shirt. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So let's, uh, let's do this thing. Okay. So we got action Jackson here. How you doing, man? Good. Jackson is going to read your question today, Sam. So uh, go ahead, man. Oh, I'm holding it. Here you go. <laughs> All right. Steve from Del Mar. Right in the mic. Right into the mic, Jackson. Steve from Del Mar asks, what's a Glock 17L? Nice. Uh, what was that? Keith from Del Mar. Thanks for writing in. 
Um, now, in uh, some people in this industry um, will throw around a phrase uh, that they they'll say, you know, I speak Glock or I'm fluent in Glock or whatever, which is to say that uh, that one is familiar with their model nomenclature, which is just sequential. Um, the Glock 17 was so named because it was uh, their 17th patent. So what's 17L? Um, the L stands for long slide, um, and the 17L is actually a model they don't make anymore, as far as I'm aware. Um, it uses the same frame as the 17, which is their duty size double stack 9mm, um, but it had a much longer slide with a longer sight radius correspondingly and a longer barrel, and it was targeted, no pun intended, at competition shooters. But because it was just a little bit too large for some disciplines of competition, uh, they replaced it in their lineup with the 34, which is just a tiny bit shorter. Correspondingly. So what's the difference between a, a Glock uh, 17L and a 34? Uh, the 34 is a little bit shorter. Just The slide's just a little bit shorter, huh? Yeah. Uh, there are some types of competitive shooting. Uh, I don't know, USPSA or IPSC or whatever. I haven't read up on all the rules, and I don't shoot matches. Um but there are some types of competitive shooting which have upper limits as to how large and how heavy your handgun can be. Because you got to think, um, if, if you have a gun that's, uh, you know, it has like a six or seven inch long barrel and this ridiculously long sight radius and it's super duper heavy, then you're going to have almost no recoil. And with that long sight radius, it'll be an unfair advantage in terms of accuracy. So there's this box that the guns have to fit inside, and the 17L did not for some types of competition. And I don't even know. I, my 19, I think, has a 5-inch barrel. The 19 right? has a 4-inch barrel. Four, I'm sorry, 4-inch barrel. The, the, According to their website, 4.02, I think, but everyone just says 4-inch barrel. And that, well, the 17 has a 5-inch barrel? Yeah, roughly a five, uh, no, a 4.5-inch barrel, roughly. Four and a half, really. I thought it was much longer. And then, So what does the 34 have? The 34 is like a 5-inch. Why do you have that all memorized? Because <laughs> I speak Glock. <laughs> is it you have a thirty-four, don't you, Joe? Yeah, and I, I thought the third because the uh, the lower part, the frame is the same as the seventeen, and the uh, the slide assembly I thought was like point eight four inches longer or something like that. Hmm. Have you actually? Do you have a do you have a nineteen? I do. Have you ever uh, have you ever tried to put the slide on the uh, from the thirty-four on the nineteen or vice versa? No, I have not tried that. Does it work? The 19 won't fit on the 34. That was going to be uh, my next question. The 34 wait, wait. will fit on the 19, but not correctly. So say that one more time. Uh, the slide from the 19 won't fit on the 34. The slide from the 34 will kind of fit on the 19, but it, it won't go on correctly. There you go. There's your answer. I have a 30. What's the, uh, what's the single stack 45? Do you remember? That's the 36. So my understanding is you can take a 36 slide and put it on a 30, and it makes it a little less hefty. I have not heard that. Uh, I'd, I'd have to try that sometime. Something I really wish Glock would do with their 36 is, first of all, revive it, and second, make a, uh, make a version with a longer slide and a longer grip so you can get your whole hand on it. Um, I mean, obviously there's a market for single-stack 45s that are relatively slim. Otherwise, no one would sell 1911s anymore, but uh, what do I know? Relatively slim. That's my uh, that's my uh, rap name. I don't know if you knew that or not. Relatively <laughs> slim. I like it. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, awesome job. I, when did you become such a Glock guy? 
Um, it, it pays to know all these model names and numbers and everything when you work in a shop, because uh, when a customer comes up and describes a gun that they don't know the model number of, uh, it's a great way to wow them and also help them find the right ammo if you just know immediately what it's called. That's awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, very, very cool. Excellent job. You got it right. You nailed it. Gave us a, a lecture on all the ins and outs and uh, did did uh, an excellent job. That's a good good way to kick off uh, Hanukkah. Yeah, uh, fun question. There there are lots of um, obscure Glock models. You've got the like the 19C. You've got the 37, the 38, and the 39. You've got the 46. Lots of fun stuff there. What is a 19C? Now that you brought it up. Uh, the C stands for compensated. compensated. It has uh, ports in the barrel and in the slide, and I don't even think they make them anymore. Um, it's The idea with the porting is to reduce muzzle flip, but I've heard they uh, are not quite so reliable. And I'm sure they wouldn't be on our roster out here anyway. <laughs> Probably not. It's the best way to get port is right from the barrel. I should save that um, for loaded mic segment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not such a not such a wine guy, so I'll have to defer to your wisdom <laughs> on wine. All right, cool, man. Excellent job. Enjoy Hanukkah. What are the two? Uh, how many ways? How many acceptable ways are there to spell Hanukkah? Um, it it doesn't matter because any any spelling using a Latin alphabet is transliterated anyway. So as long as it sounds correct, you're good, I guess. <laughs> That was way too technical. I didn't even know what he just said. I thought there were two ways. I, I usually find a third or fourth way to, to spell it, but I thought there were only two acceptable ways. Transliterated. You'll be discussing that with Siri a little bit later. Transliterated. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that was actually, that's a whole other nickname I have for myself, transliterated, but that's that's a whole other story. All right, man, awesome job. Thank you so much. Thank you for, uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the Glock lecture. You did a great job, Sam. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Good night, gentlemen, and uh, happy Hanukkah to everyone listening. Happy Hanukkah. All right, our next segment is a relatively new segment that we just added, and it's called You Don't Know Jack, son. You, you don't know Jack. Son. Son. So, <laughs> <laughs> so our, uh, our little buddy here, our newest co-host, is Action Jackson. And uh, like we've been talking about throughout throughout the show, you go shooting every Wednesday, right? You've been shooting for a couple years at the at the tender age of eight. You've been shooting for what a year and a half, two years? Yeah, a year and a half. About a year and a half, and you're a Glock guy too, right? Very much. So, <laughs> what what are you currently using for for a Glock? Do you remember what what? A a Glock forty eight or. Nice. Nine millimeter pistol. Nice. And what what did you work on mostly last last session when you when you shot? What what did you work on? Nine um that gun. The gun? Yeah. You worked on shooting it well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also and one time I actually for the sake of that my twenty two was dirty. It was dirty? For the most part that I know of, off the top of my head, I feel like it was dirty. It was a little dirty. Now, I saw the video on your Instagram, which was really cool, and it looked like you were working on uh, malfunction clearances. Is that yeah. something you work on a lot? Yeah. Wow. What Do you, do you like that part? Yeah, the immediate extraction. Yeah? Yeah. You did a great job. You did a fantastic. What's your coach's name? Thomas. 
Thomas. He did. A, he does a really good job, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Awesome. Well, now you know a little bit more about Jack, son. You don't know Jack. Son. All right, folks. <laughs> hey, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or YouTube, whatever your favorite flavor is, and please support our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Scott Vincent of Coldwell, Bank Royalty Realties, Sage Tree Web Development, National Concealed Carry Association, and our newest partner, American Shooter in El Cajon. Thanks to Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gun Man, and our wonderful board op, Brendan Thomas and Jackson, right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.